Welcome to season two of the Age Sister podcast. This season, we're talking all about women at work. So let's get started with today's expert. Hey, everyone. I'm super excited to have Lisbeth Wesley Casella on the show today. Lisbeth is the founder and CEO of L12 Services. They're a Washington, D.C. firm focused on internal communications and organizational development. She works with businesses to improve workflow, processes, and culture by leveraging the institutional knowledge of existing team members. So welcome, Lisbeth. Thank you so much for having me, Kate. This is really the high point of my week. Oh, that's so great. I'm really looking forward to learning about, you know, what brought you to doing this work that you're doing today? I was in a position for several years to kind of fill that gray space between leadership and the people who do the jobs. And I found that I was often translating English to English. Um, there, There would be projects that we would undertake and I would be in a position to see on the horizon where the landmines were and report those back to leadership so that we were able to anticipate maybe workload or workflow or bottlenecks or whatever. And conversely, I would also be able to see where leadership's messaging was falling flat or misunderstood by the people doing their jobs. So um, for a really long time, I kind of did a, a form of personnel organization. Um, Mm -hmm. And then I decided to kind of take my, my skill set and build something new with it um, because I wanted to see what kind of decisions I could make and risks I could take. And I was kind of tired of having my skill set being utilized to promote all the other men in the organizations that I was working with. So I, I've watched a few of your videos on LinkedIn, and they're great. Um, I was looking through some of your materials, and it sounds like you're talking a lot right now about the great resignation. Um, and can you tell me just why that's of interest, why you're sort of focused on that? It's actually kind of a, a blessing to have a common language where people understand right away what it is that my firm does. Uh, it, mm-hmm. It's been a while getting here. Um the, the work that we do is very people-centric and relationship development-centered. Um, we aren't a typical organizational development or internal communications firm in as much as that we're not looking to walk in and look at an org chart and change the shape of, of leadership. We're not you know, looking to change the platforms that people are working on without their input. Um, we definitely go in and, and assess what's being used, what's not being used. Maybe you can save some money there. But first and foremost, what we're doing is we are sitting down and having conversations with everyone from the founder to the person who shuts the light out at the end of the day. And we're gathering that information in kind of a, a lean management philosophy style so that we're bringing all the voices to the table and understand clearly what the challenges are, what the um, potential solutions are, and who has innovative ideas that may not have spoken up yet. So we can elevate both institutional knowledge and fresh ideas. Sounds fantastic. <laughs> so tell me about how how this great resignation, I mean, we talked about it a little bit before the show. We talked about how um, women, especially in this Gen X kind of age group, so a little later in that, you know, midlife um, number, 
that how that group of women are leaving the workforce in droves and they're really intending not to return. What is going on there from your perspective? You know, there's there's all of the things that we're all dealing with, you know, whether it's kids in school or it's being part of the sandwich generation and caring for parents and children at the same time or whatever your household has going on, that is a complete experience in and of itself. And then you've got your work experience on top of that. Um, the inability for people of all ages really to limit the noise and the distraction and the chaos in work right now is taking its toll. And what I mean by noise and distractions, um, we've gone through a period where there's been a lot of change and then a lot of change and then more change on top of it. So if we think back to 2018, 2019, when our policies may have been order and our processes may have been documented and people were really well cross-trained, we haven't had a time long enough where systems have been settled that people have been repetitively doing the same thing and have been able to either streamline that process or understand it inside and out and know the gates of responsibility and align their job descriptions. So there's a lot of messiness happening right now. And it's human nature to look at the entire big picture and say, what's the messy thing and, and what can I turn off or turn my back on in order to find some sense of control, find some organization and really, you know, be able to feel like I can accomplish the things on my calendar. Because when you're, if you're like me and you color code your tasks and you look at your calendar and it looks like Walt Disney threw up on it, it doesn't provide you a sense of organization. It makes you feel like you're out of control and crazy and you're never going to make headway. So, eliminating things is really the answer to solving that problem. And a, a dissatisfying work life will more often than not be the thing to go if a person can afford to do that. Yeah. Yeah. That's what we're seeing a lot right now, I think. Um, so it's really interesting to me. In one of the videos that you did, you talked about this idea of a stay interview, and I'd never heard that before. Can you tell me about that? Yeah, it's something that's gaining traction, and um, you'll hear more about it as time goes by. Organizations that are interested in both understanding the individual's point of view and the aggregate entire ecosystem point of view are engaging staff or stay interviews. Um, in order to mine the information about what makes them a stellar place to work, what makes them, um, you know, why do people want to be there, what it would take for another organization to poach them, what it would take beyond that in order to provide a, a competitive offer so that someone would stay. Um, and there are some great resources out there. They do come in a number of different formats, um, but generally they are, uh, an interview that's performed by HR or an outside consultant like us um, and, and not the 360 model of sitting down with your manager or other teammates. Um, there's a value to having HR do it because then you get to aggregate the information in-house toward the metrics that are specific to your organization. But there's also a, a you know, something to be said for having a third party come in because sometimes under certain circumstances, 
people view the, the HR department as being on the other team because it impacts whether or not they can, you know, speak freely or if they feel it might, you know, impact their longevity with the corporation. And a third party is an unbiased ear that can kind of develop a different type of relationship. But that's not to say I'm always really careful to make sure that HR departments are supported by the work that we do or that any third party would do. That's ideally the situation. Because what we're actually doing is trying to give them a hand. We have the benefit of expert knowledge as well. But the thing that they don't have that we do is if we're hired on, we have the time to dig in. We have the time to spend one-on-one with 200 people that as a HR department, especially in a smaller organization, you might not be able to have afford or, you know, afford the time to do it. Mm-hmm. So here's the hard question um, from your perspective. And also, you know, as a woman in this demographic, <laughs> probably, probably me too, me too. Um, what do you think women are not saying? What do you think that we're not telling employers, you know, for all sorts of reasons? Well, with a general brush, I think that we're still suffering from some idea that either we're supposed to be able to do it all or that there's a sense of shame at not being able to do it all. Like sharing my personal struggles is somehow not good. Um, And, you know, it's, it's, the age-old problem. We earned our right to be in the workplace, um, and and we even had it, you know, codified and mandated that we should be here and we get to be here and we play on the same court. Um, but talking about the challenges that we have with a male superior or a direct report is often really difficult. Whether it's that we're talking about things that maybe men don't experience or aren't knowledgeable about. Um, or even if they are knowledgeable and caring and understanding, it's still very personal to us what our challenges are. And it's hard to walk in knowing that we get paid less, we often get looked over for promotions, and then to say, by the way, I have childcare, parent care, self-care that I need to attend to, and right now this schedule is not working for me. Yeah, yeah. And if you think about some of those things, you know, that kind of overlay of what we call gendered ageism, right? So a lot of women have, you know, fought to be in the workplace. They are really good at their jobs. And then they start to feel this sense of, am I still as relevant at work? Um, I spoke to a woman the other day who was saying, you know, that she just suddenly had this realization that, wow, I guess those positions that are now coming up, I'm less relevant for, which was really interesting to me because she's really at the top of her game. But just when she thought about in the organization, you know, was she the right person for this? It was about her age. Is this something that you see in your work or maybe you have a sense of? I do have a sense of it and I I do see it. Um, and, and there's an upside. I mean, obviously, mm. we are almost trained culturally to expect that we are less relevant, whether it's age or beauty or, I mean, the, the older you get, the less competitive you are for whatever reason. Mm. The, the 
upside to that is people are thinking really creatively about how to minimize that and on a personal level um, have people start to rethink their relevancy or their ability to become more relevant. And I think last week or maybe the week before there was an article published that talked about the mentee mentor relationship and what's popular or becoming popular now is to have a millennial mentor. So it turns Mm. that idea on its head rather than being the institutional knowledge that's filling in the person who's younger the younger person who may be tapped into some of the, um, you know, digital age or the the marketing or the new ways that we're communicating, having input to allow the person with the institutional knowledge to have a greater impact is something that organizations are just starting to pick up and run with. And, you know, the, the beauty of that is if you can keep your institutional knowledge, the person that's been there, um, the, the the new people and the older people really can kind of book and some of the questions or troubles or speed bumps that organizations have because you have the people with the experience saying, we tried it that way and this was the outcome. We think it's because X. If the younger person comes in and says, do you think this new technology solves the problem of X? Then you have the, the histor- historical perspective to say, I think that it might or no, it won't, but you can, you know, save yourself a lot of business testing time just by having conversations. Mm, So that institutional knowledge is so important, I think is what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. And can you think of any other just really actionable tips that we can talk about for employers to keep this group of women in the workplace to prevent them from making that decision that, you know, something's got to give and it's going to be my job? It's one blanket actionable tip with a, a couple different uh, options sprinkled in for lack of a better phrase. Um, it, really, the tip is please organizations Make the time. Don't take the time. Make the time. Intentionally create space in your calendar for relationship development. And in that relationship development, you have the opportunity to, um, you know, talk about whether or not gates of responsibility are clear. Talk about whether or not job descriptions are in alignment. Talk about whether or not the, um, you know, the woman or the individual uh, has a, a growth plan for their career. It could be, you know, lateral, it could be forward, it could be any number of things, but learn what's important to that individual and allow them to become part of the solution or part of the plan. Um, You know, asking about things that reduce noise, like what is the meeting frequency and is it actually necessary? Like meetings about meetings is a waste of everybody's time. So, you know, being able to have conversations about how are you spending your time? Does it work for you? Maybe we could shave off some uh, pre-expected timeframes or blocks of time if we just really look into streamlining what we're doing. Um, You know, uh, other opportunities for relationship development um, could be rather than having three meetings a year for one hour that talk about performance, maybe you do 90 minutes every six weeks for the next couple quarters and build something together so that you know what the values are of that individual 
they understand the values and the goals of the organization. And you can really plumb information about alignment there. Um, sometimes you're going to get the most innovative ideas from the people who don't speak up. And often relationship building, trust building, you know, that no trust and like kind of scenario, um, it's, it's, it bears fruit when somebody feels comfortable enough to say, this may sound crazy, but I think we could solve this in this way. Mm. You know, whether or not you end up acting on it, you still know that that person's got their head in the game and they're thinking of the overall um, success of the business as well as their own enjoyment within the ecosystem. Mm. Those are great tips. And if companies or women wanted to find more about your work, where would we go? Where can we find you? You know, my playground is LinkedIn. So um, I have a very unique spelling to my name. It's Elizabeth Wesley Casella. I hyphenated because I was old when I got married and I couldn't stop being Elizabeth Wesley. Um, but there's no E at the beginning of my first name. The E's are in the wrong spots in the maiden name. And then Casella is just super easy. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Well, thank you so much for being here today. I've really enjoyed speaking with you. Thank you so much. I've really enjoyed it too. Thanks for listening to the Age Sister podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure to rate and review the episode on your favorite podcast app. We'll also be posting the show notes and any other important information at www.cardeahealthconsulting.com.